Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. getting an invasion again of AEW? You know, like all those other invasions we've had? The TNA invasion, oh, the Ring of Honor oh. invasion that didn't happen. Then you this one, one. This one is happening. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It could just be a build to a match. Mm-hmm. I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Tempest today because Lugo and DAD and Chopper Pete Quinnell were a, uh, a fun special event thing. Indeed. I think they posted it on social media. Uh, I can't confirm, I can't so I don't want to give either. away anything. But... <laughs> I don't know what we're signed under. But go over to our... What a plug for our social media. Maybe we've revealed it, maybe we haven't. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't already, please press the thumbs up button, give us a subscribe, leave a comment down below with what you thought of this episode, and send in your Omega chats to wrestletalk.com forward slash support while we discuss our opening segment which was John Moxley versus Jeff Hardy. Yeah, House Hardy rise up three solid TV matches in a row. And that yeah, and they were pretty good matches, particularly mm-hmm. last week's one against Swerve. And what was that? The Rampage against Darby. Darby yeah, wasn't it? yeah. I mean, Darby's one of the best <clears throat> TV wrestlers in the business, so it doesn't surprise me it was great. But yeah, Jeff Hardy on TV. That's, I think that's he's my turning thoughts. heel. Yeah, I think the Hardys eventually are turning heel. I think this all. Built. I don't know what form that mm-hmm. takes. Like. You know, they, they kind of come out and Jeff stops doing the, the dance and starts doing delete. I don't know if they're going full, like, broken hardies together, because that feels like kind of a step backwards or whatever. But that aside, I'm just happy to see my boy on TV. Willow? No. Willow! I don't, I don't need to see Willow. <laughs> Last week, I said it to Luke. I uh, came down for his match against Swerve. And Matt Hardy, full on delete, delete mm-hmm. chance. And Jeff looks almost annoyed. <laughs> so, yeah, I, maybe we could get uh, heel Jeff. Mm-hmm. Maybe all of this month of disgruntlement has actually been a work. Him posting on social media that he's not used enough on Dynamite. He At the end of this match, John Moxley beats him, chokes him out. Uh, he went to shake Jeff Hardy's hand. Real weird thing for a member of the Blackpool Combat Club to do, but Moxley must have thought, hey, Good kid, fight. Yeah, really took it to me there. And Jeff Hardy did the old... I haven't seen that swear one the, in ages. The Scrooge salute. Yeah. President Scrooge. Mm. So yeah, you think uh, you think he is turning heel? I think so. I don't know when that happens. I don't know what the, the catalyst moment is for such a turn. Like, 
there isn't a, a perfect opposite for the Hardys to go against. Maybe if they come up against like Private Party again, who they mm. have a, a relationship with, which is how this started. Maybe if we get back to that, if they lose a match to Private Party, maybe that's when they snap, because I think that generates the most emotion from the audience. But it's been a fun little development to just kind of watch, because I've been a big fan of Jeff Hardy my whole life. I'm not, there's no secret. And I do believe that he is very much capable of having good matches when given the opportunity, having really cold matches that nobody could possibly care about. It's probably not going to make for the best atmosphere. And yeah, he's not like the most polished worker in, in the world. So <laughs> never if he, has been. he never has been. He was slipping and falling, doing yeah. the poetry in motion thing in 1999. And he will continue to do it his whole career because the story of the Hardys is that they are backyarders that mm -hmm. made it big. You know, obviously they got proper training after that, but it doesn't bother me that much when I see that. So he is not washed. I will refute those claims. And he had a really fun little match here against John Moxley. If I pop my sort of I'm a wrestling promoter hat on, it's difficult because Jeff Hardy still has tremendous star power, even in the end of his WWE run, like mm -hmm. people were going crazy for him. But it's just how much trust can you put in the guy? Like, it's all, That's always been the question, really. Bring him out for a match, have him put on a good match and lose, which is what he's been doing for the last couple of weeks. Perfect use of him. Eventually, of course, those matches are going to become meaningless because you always beat Jeff Hardy. The mm -hmm. people who do beat him won't get the sort of elevation they should get from it. But do you then want to go down a character arc story of Jeff turning heel, feuding with someone else when it's like, I don't know, I wouldn't... It, I wouldn't it bet is, on Jeff Hardy. No, and it is an interesting use of the television time where again i've always kind of looked at the booking of pro wrestling as how much time is being uh being dedicated to things that don't matter mm -hmm. you know if i don't think somebody's going to elevate themselves up the card if their win isn't going to result in a title match you know there's been loads and loads of examples of this like you see shinsuke nakamura and rick boogs do their entrance every single week i start to lose interest because it doesn't build to anything that sort of example where jeff hardy coming out and being a solid enough hand and someone who's a former world champion in multiple companies if he goes out there and loses a really solid match to your top stars whether it's swerve or darby or john moxley i think that's a really good use of the mm -hmm. time but when the time is then focused on him and not the guy he's putting over then you might start to see a little bit of pushback from people. I'm willing to give it a chance because we've not seen heel Jeff Hardy since the days of like 2010 TNA. That's and I don't know. <laughs> I'm not giving him a belt to, to put his paintings on or anything like that. But I'm at least interested in what we may see out of the Hardys if it's something uh, new. So this match actually did have something else happen in it, mm -hmm. apart from the Jeff Hardy stuff. There were a few interactions with a bunch of people in the crowd yes. who were from CMLL. It was it was Volador Jr. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Mascara Dorada. Dorada. Who is the former Grand Metalik. It was Mystico. Mm -hmm. And it was... Oh! Hechicero. Yeah, close. Hechicero. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, but I don't know. You put emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable or something. So he's having a match against Brian Danielson. Very excited for this. Apparently, this is something Danielson's just requested, just like the Nagata match from last week. And Tony's like, sure. Why yeah, not? Have, have your favorite matches that you want to do. But of course, Danielson's in a faction with Moxley, who's wrestling here. Moxley spills into the crowd at one point. The luchadors are like, 
with <laughs> this guy. And then at the end, Moxley celebrates on the turnbuckle, flips them all off, and they, being CMLL wrestlers, probably like, all right, we're going to take the crap out yeah. of you. I, I think this might have been my favorite thing on the show. Hmm. The handling of all of this. And there were other things that I really enjoyed on the show. And there would be things in top contention if you really pushed me. and probably like the main event better. Tony Storm's commentary. Tony Storm's commentary, which we'll get to. But I really enjoyed this presentation because it felt natural. Because, again, you said Jeff Hardy just kind of dumps John Moxley over the barricade. And it was sort of the John Moxley gets up and is like shoving them off of him a little Mm -hmm. bit, gives them the double bird, gets back in the ring. And at the end, they're not just treated like four nameless, faceless, well, faceless, they're all wearing masks. (laughs) (laughs) Haha. One of them. Yeah. They weren't treated like a bunch of geeks. Mm. You know, if they went out there and they tried to do this and they tried to beat up some mid card guy, it would be very easy to write all this out off as like just a mid card nothing angle. And I don't know what the CMLL usage in AEW is ultimately going to lead to, what this partnership is really going to lead to. But if you're going to introduce four guys that Probably most of the AEW audience, or at least, I don't know, I never want to speak for the AEW audience. Some of them are smarter than your average bear. But I don't think Lucha Libre is the thing in North American wrestling that loads of people really know about and are able to, you know, look at a a luchador that's just come in from CMLL and not needed a introductory angle to put them over. And beating up John Moxley, mm-hmm. the ace of AEW, is a really strong way of introducing four new guys and four awesome guys, too. Like, I'm very excited for this Hechicero match with Brian Danielson on TV, on Collision. That sounds like a lot of fun, but... We've seen Collision sometimes be used as like the match where they've brought out Arrow Boy and or yeah. Arrow Star, pardon me, and uh, Samurai Del Sol and various guys in just big eight man tags. I think they faced the Bullet Club Gold guys during the summer, and it was just like it's the show where you can book matches like that mm-hmm. that are fun, and it's new guys being brought in who are big stars in their own right. It'll be very interesting to see if AEW continues to treat them like big stars because, again, they're not AEW guys. They're CMLL guys. You've always got that weird invasion type thing, but it's exciting. And I really am looking forward to seeing all four of these guys get to work on national TV. CMLL guys, guys from Mexico in general, famously okay with losing <laughs> in North America. I The, the bit that... Um, made me sit up in all of this Mm -hmm. wasn't the attack although it was very well done and one of the coolest visuals is a guy in a lucha mask in a suit yeah it's just always awesome so they beat up john moxley and at this point i'm like well yeah it's to build the match against danielson maybe there'll be a tag match the following week danielson's gonna win blackpool combat's club's gonna win whatever that's fine but it was when christopher daniels 2.0 and Matt Seidel ran down for the save mm. to chase off these luchadors. They're not the most terrifying force. You know, they are, by roster standards, a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't, they're not threatening at all, unfortunately. So, But it wasn't done in a way where the luchadors were running with their tails between their legs from them. It's just like, no, we've made our point. We're, yep. we're walking away now. That collection of guys 
defending someone of the Blackpool Combat Club is is a really interesting choice. And to me, that's more indicative of this is AEW. Mm-hmm. This is AEW fighting off CMLL rather than this is Blackpool Combat Club fighting off a new faction. I think that's a very good point. It then becomes a much bigger thing. And you would think that maybe that would bring the angle down a peg because like you said these guys are not main event guys by AEW standards even though i fully have respect for the likes of christopher daniels and everything you might think that that would take everything down a peg but it actually in my view elevates the whole program because you're right a blackpool combat club versus cmll feud might start to feel a little bit small But if it's an AEW versus CMLL feud, I don't know what the scope of that's going to be. But all of a sudden, there's a lot more scope for it than just here's the four guys in our one faction that are fighting all the luchadors. It's really interesting. And I could keep saying, you know, we'll wait and see what direction they go with it. But there's a lot of potential for big things here if they really want to take this and make this their new interpromotional war thing considering they've kind of taken a lot of New Japan's top stars <laughs> for their Forbidden Door show. If, if Forbidden Door this year is CMLL AEW New Japan, yeah, that's really interesting. Oh, I didn't even thought of that. Of course, CMLL and New Japan. It's probably long, not. Well, long-running partnership. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, what's the show they do? Uh, Fantastic Mania. Fantastic Mania, yeah. Yeah. And like two... It was almost annoying at points where you couldn't have AAA guys and yeah. the whole Ring of Honor... CMLL New Japan Access yeah. from, from the sort of teams. Um, yeah, that is that could be quite exciting. I mean, what's going to happen, unfortunately, is Danielson's being built for Kingston. So Danielson's going to beat Hitchithero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Hitchithero. Getting a real... Hitchithero. Getting, getting some... Yeah, you're getting some lisp in there. Hitchithero. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go. I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to materialize. But I think a Blackpool Combat Club, at least at start, Blackpool Combat Club versus these guys, which goes into a larger AEW versus CMLL storyline, mm-hmm. that's super cool. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. it. Like I've said many times now, it is very much wait and see. The inclusion of the other guys does make me believe that they can pivot away from just the Blackpool Combat Club mm-hmm. stuff and have this be a little bit more varied. And what does that mean? I don't know, because I agree, like, nobody's, nobody in any company, other than perhaps Okada, is going to be beating Brian Danielson outside of AEW mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, you, he, it, it doesn't make sense. But, other people on the roster? Maybe. We'll see. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Uh, that's exciting times. See what you all think on the Omega Chats. John, our moderator, has uh, compiled these, and he's written Invadido, spelled it out phonetically for me, <laughs> poor CMLL. Very good. Which I guess is Invasion of CMLL. Invasion, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. More well done for using Google Translate there, John. Kid Cuddy says, this was another one for the hardcore fans. I'm sorry, but I can't pretend to be excited about this collaboration with CMLL when I see Commander, the Kingo, and Pentaloos almost every week. And they're supposed to be the best luchadors from that way. Also, the ranking system problem. Uh, the theory, Sting Derby shouldn't be the number one contenders because records reset. Also, if some wins outweigh others, why not bet on yourself and pick your opponent? Somebody like Griff Garrison or Danhausen, so that your win means more. All right, I don't understand a lot of the gripes in this. Uh, first of all, Commander Vikingo, Penta, etc. Those are AAA guys. Uh oh, AAA. <laughs> <laughs> Tempest. I haven't let one go in a long time. That just came out. But I think I'm willing to look at this. Uh, collaboration with CMLL with a new set of eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to take what they did with AAA and everything because I do think a good amount of the er the early collaboration between AEW and AAA was really disrupted by the pandemic yeah. and stuff. There wasn't much scope for that. And when you came out of it, it then became, you know, there was a lot of difficulty there. Now, new faces, new management, new collaboration everything so it is very much kind of it seems similar but it's an apples to oranges kind of thing if you're dealing with two different companies who have two very different approaches the rest of it i don't quite get i am someone who has been for the rankings i like the rankings i think it keeps people honest with their booking it means that you have to work backwards from what you want your end goal to be and thus you get a lot more matches that make sense because you need people to be in certain places it's like booking the g1 
You need to figure out what the end goal is going to be if you're going to start to book who's actually going to beat who. So I don't have a problem with that too much. But like Darby and Sting have never lost as a tag team. So if you're going to have a tag team, I'm, I don't understand the thought process of it's the beginning of the year. Therefore, no title matches for everyone because mm. the record's reset. Like, I get it. They're going to do their year to year rankings and that's fine. But also, you can't, like, the overall lifetime records have always been a thing in AEW. And they're an undefeated team. So that doesn't bother me either. And the bet on yourself, pick pick your opponent stuff, like, yeah, you could beat Griff Garrison or Danhausen, but they don't mean as much, you know, than if you beat Hangman Page or Swerve. Those kind of wins get you a title match, and the other ones don't. The thing I think people are missing, although I am, I'm, I'm not on board with the rankings. <laughs> but I think, to, in their defense, mm -hmm. the win-loss record is different to the rankings. Mm -hmm. So the win-loss record, that's just a, let's just say it's a nice little bit that appears on a name bar when you come out. The rankings take into account the win-loss record, the quality of the people you beat. It's by what Samoa Joe referred yeah. to weeks ago as the championship committee or whatever. They come up with this. So, but... You know, that's that's a cool idea. Let's see what it looks like in practice. Yes. Have you seen the rankings? I've not. Yeah, okay. I was expecting <clears throat> it to come up on the screen at the yeah. end of Dynamite. You know, the way that, like, when Britt Baker became the number one ranked person to face Hikaru Shida, she was like, there it is! There, look at me! I would have appreciated that. I would have even gone to... I don't know... It wouldn't have been the most exciting TV, but I would have liked it. Actually have who these people are. Mm. So you've got Dean Malenko. You've right. got uh, Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson. Those sorts of guys. Jerry Lynn. A woman would be great. Yeah. I don't think they've got. Uh, who's like a veteran woman they've got? Because Austin Kong's um, not there anymore. Sarah Del Rey. Is she Sarah Del Rey there? with them? I'm not sure. If she, she would be perfect yeah. if she was there. And then, like, have them just going through who they've picked and why they're there. Because yeah. what we're left with is currently this is the men's division. Mm -hmm. Swerve Strickland, number one. Sure. No complaints there. Hangman Page, number two. That makes perfect sense. Adam Copeland, number three. Sure, yeah, okay, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, John Moxley, number four. He's been winning a lot, former world champion. Totally yep. agree with that. Have you seen who number five is? Nope. Roderick Strong. Hmm. Not Brian Danielson? Yeah, I don't know about that. It continues. Uh, let's go to the women's division. Number one, Deonna Perazzo. That makes sense. Yep. Number two, Thunder Rosa. Okay, she sure. never lost the title properly. Hikaru Shida. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sky Blue, Mariah May. Hmm. Where's Chris Statlander? Where's yeah. Willow Nightingale? I was going to say, Willow Nightingale winning that Owen Hart Cup in the summer just never really happened, did it? I'm just imagining that. Mariah May's had one match, hasn't she? I think it's something like that. Yeah, they're never going to be perfect. Well, that's good. We're carrying on. Oh, Lord, we're not done yet. <laughs> the tank. The yep, tank division. Okay. Oh, Sting and Darby Allen. Okay, makes sense. That's makes Undefeated. Sense. John Silver and Alex Reynolds. All right. Okay. Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli. Okay. All right. Private Party, Orange Cassidy and Trent Barretta. Hmm. Where are oh. FDR? Yeah. Are they in the trios one, maybe? With Daniel Garcia? They are. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, the trios are Bullet Club Gold at top. Uh, Hardy's, a, they're the champions, though. Well, they're so, the, the Ring of uh, Honor champions. Yeah. So 
obviously AEW champions aren't included mm -hmm. in the rankings because it's to fight the champion. Yeah. But Ring of Honor performances are counted. Yeah, I was wondering about that because the other problem with the rankings returning is we don't have a dark or dark elevation to pad mm. these stats with, you know, when you just don't have enough TV yeah. time to go around. And uh, don't think Ring of Honor works exactly the same way. It feels like there is a degree of separation mm. there that we didn't have before. So we got Bullet Club Gold number one, Hardys and Mark Briscoe, Dark Order, FTR Daniel Garcia, and House of Black. So my because they've got Dark Order there and they've got John Silver and Alex Reynolds at number two. Are they still in the Dark Order? I think so. So then FTR and Daniel Garcia can also have FTR in the tag division. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm all for the rankings, but they have to be pretty well done. And if mm -hmm. if this is if this is the one from the clean slate, yeah, I think I'm going to be annoyed with them every time I see them. Just don't, just don't. Be. <laughs> you can choose not to be, because that honestly is what happened every time they came out before. And people, why yes. is this person over this person? I just go, oh, okay. So here's your next three contenders. Awesome. You know, it was CM Punk reportedly who got the rankings dropped. Yep. Where's the lie? I mean, where's the lie? Shout out to Bobby Fish for forever yeah. ruining that. Um, yeah. We've only... We've just done one Omega chat. It was a big one. It was a double, though. Two keep, points in keep it. Keep getting your Omega chats into WrestleTalk.com forward slash support and I'll, we'll I'll read, read them all out for me. I'll read oh, this follow-up because mm -hmm. it's from, from also Kid Cudi uh, in response to the same conversation saying that uh, we misunderstood the message. I'm saying that, for example, in the pick your poison thing, Swerve oh. should have picked Hangman somebody uh, and vice versa right. so that they their wins meant less, um, which I think is one way to look at it. Mm -hmm. I think that, that makes more sense than what we were talking about earlier. Uh, but I think the idea was more just like, go up against somebody who's going to beat your ass, you know? And in some scenarios, I think that booking strategy could make sense. I don't think it applies here between mm -hmm. two hated rivals. They're not trying to sabotage each other's, you know, win-loss record. They're just trying to get someone who's going to beat them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't want to win this on the technicality. Yeah. Uh, within that match, the opening match, we got a little graphic that said next week, mm -hmm. Tony Khan, big announcement. Now, he, it was a pretty good one the last time he said big announcement. Was it? It was Will Ospreay, I believe. No, the last time they did that was that Wembley tickets were going on sale. No, 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 no. That was before the Will Ospreay Was one. that before Will Ospreay? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That was, that was when they jumped the shark. Yeah. And then they, they pulled it back significantly. <laughs> and they had, they genuinely did one. Which yeah. Which was Will Ospreay. Okay. To, to, to my recollection, they haven't done it since. Okay. Because I do think they might have learned. Yeah. So I think this one next week, an announcement, announcing an announcement. Mm hmm It's probably Mercedes Monet. It's like a, a trailer teaser. Yeah. In, for a teaser trailer <laughs> that they started doing. The four seconds. Stop that, mask. Hollywood. Hate it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's probably the announcement of either Okada or Monet or, hey, we have a free agent signing that's going to appear for the first time at Revolution. Yeah. More uh, more likely than not, I think. Stack show next week. 
Like, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll go through this show, and one of the things we might keep saying is, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the most impressive card, mm-hmm. and actually when it played out, pretty filler as well. No big marquee matches, no big storyline no. developments. Um, but next week, probably a tag title change I'd with Sting and Darby, so. unless the Young Bucks cost them. We'll talk about that later. We've got Swerve versus Hangman. Sure. And this Tony Khan announcement. Mm-hmm. Looking like a pretty darn good show, that. And there were a lot of things on this show that I really enjoyed. Again, like you said, not huge developments, not a lot of things that I'm going to remember as well as other episodes by any means. There were some things on this show that I did not care for. And it was a bit of a mixed bag in that. I think I enjoyed more things than I didn't, but we will get into them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the live attendance numbers for next week because... I think just a couple of days out, they were quite away on the 2,000 tickets. Mm. I think Alvarez said they were about 2,000 for this show. And just, just for comparison, Meltzer's gone through this. A very, very, very bad night for WCW in the year 2000 when they were dying was 2,500. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not saying AEW's dying. It's a different industry. This is something supported by TV ratings now. Yeah, But that is a huge indicator that your promotion is not hot or you're doing something wrong in terms of promoting yeah but hopefully that turns around next week because they've they promoted a hell of a card a week in advance our second match after hardy versus mox was hangman page versus swerve's dealer's choice for him toa leona Mm mm-hmm a singles debut Mm. for toa leona and this was again one of those deals where you're getting somebody on TV that isn't going to get the big surprise pop from the audience. Oh, who's his opponent going to be? We saved that for later in the show. And honestly, I was very pleasantly surprised from the work of yeah. Toa Leona. I've always been a really big fan of Bishop Khan's back from his days in the Shane Taylor promotions and Ring of Honor when that got bought out. They made a point to say that Bishop Khan was one of the guys that they were keeping from the Ring of Honor purchase. And then they paired him with Toa Leona, and we've gotten this faction that we have since gotten. And most of the time, he's been hidden away in six-man tags or matches like that. He really showed me something on this show. Mm. He was really good and doing things like moonsaults to the outside yeah. and just really kind of unique offense for today's wrestling. You know, he kind of went with more of the wild Samoan mm. kind of thing than... We see through today, like, you know, all the Samoan wrestlers that we get, the bloodline stuff, and even outside of WWE. I don't want to say they wrestle a similar style, but there are, you know, the beats that you tend to hit, the the corner hip attack, you know, the Samoan drop, and we still got some of that here. But the presentation of Toa Leona here was vastly different from many other people that would have been comparable to him otherwise. Yeah, he's... Because you're right on his offense and getting more of a chance to shine there and the, the moonsault outside, mm-hmm. which he missed, but that was to set up Hangman Page's even bigger moonsault. Yeah. It was still impressive. Uh, and also kicking out of a, not even kicking out of a dead eye at one, just standing yeah. up after a dead eye behind Hangman. That I was, was expecting like, to wow. see the usual Twitter angry people. Yeah. <laughs> they got so mad when Hook uh, kicked out of the muscle buster being mad at this but again you, you can't drop some moans on their heads they've got hard heads and then yeah and then he head butted hangman down yeah case in point 
But it was his facials that the, the, the wild savage gimmick isn't for me. I just, mm-hmm. I never, it's not a character that I feel has much substance. Yeah. But he was doing that character well through his facials and expressions. Very expressive mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, well done there. Um, and it was a good match. Uh, but I really like the finish off of that Samoan drop. Hangman Page just kept in the crucifix pin. Yeah. Was, that was satisfying. It was very satisfying and it, it felt less like, oh, Hangman Page just eked out a win mm. as it did. He's the more experienced wrestler of the two, and he managed to do a really good counter and get the win that way. I thought it served a lot of masters here, and I really like Toleona's reaction afterwards as well, where he is properly like throwing a tantrum almost. He goes and he gets a chair and he's smashing it, and Hangman like kind of grabs it from him, and he's like now defending himself because this fight could start again. It just felt like, oh, he's not just taking his loss and putting his hands mm. on his hips and going, bah, walking to the back. Yeah. Like, no, his boss gave him a job to do, and he didn't do it, and he's pissed. Really good match and really good presentation from something that I think could have been looked at as a cold match under mm. other circumstances. So, I, all that said, mm-hmm. I was really excited about the dealer's choice idea mm-hmm. because this to me is the top story in the company right now hangman page versus swerve strickland when they said dealer's choice last week i was like oh my god these two guys hate each other they're gonna really pick horrible nasty opponents and they're gonna make those opponents destroy you know whoever it is lance archer would be someone in that where they're being sent out there not to win Mm. They've been sent out there to hurt the other person, mostly. <clears throat> with Toa with Leona, I sort of made up my own story in my head that Swerve is the head of the faction. He's decided to pick his own guy, to train up his own guy. Mm. He could, Almost a bit of scouting, direct scouting of Hangman Page. That makes sense. So I, I explained that away in my head. Mm-hmm. If that is the story, though, Toliona should have just beat the crap out of Page afterwards. Mm. He's still fresh. It, it was beaten by a, a technical pin. He should have gone at him with that steel chair and then continued to beat him down. I did have a similar feeling watching it. Like when Hangman grabs the chair and sits down in it, I was fully expecting Swerve to slide in the ring and hit him with the, the mm. house call kick as he was sat there just to like properly lay him out. And he can be like, God damn it. I gave you a job to do. And he took it upon himself to do that. And we just didn't really get that. So it didn't tarnish the match for me quite, but I did have the same thought. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Earlier today, Matthew and Nicholas arrive in a ridiculously long stretch Hummer and a producer gives Nick Gerlis. Oh, I nearly said. Oh, (laughs) a format sheet for the evening show. But he calls him Nick when he, of course, should be called Nicholas. Mm -hmm. That's what it says on his birth certificate. So Nicholas finds him $500. He walks off in a huff. And Matthew, because Nick's playing like the total straight guy. I am angry all the time. I'm serious. And Matthew is the douchebag. Oh, I'm friendly to your face, but, you know, you still got to pay the fine. Yep. Let's have a good show. I laughed so hard. They're brilliant. I love this act. So much. Yeah. I I am as big a fan of the Young Bucks as you will find anywhere. And I always convince myself that I actually do like babyface Young Bucks because they have great matches still. 
they are the best mm. douchebag heel team maybe of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of. You've got like your Edge and Christian team yeah. in the 90s, which is like different mm. in a way, you know, not the same kind of character, but like, oh, they are just perfect heels. Yeah. Really, really good. Loving yeah. their characters. And they're, they're really getting that over without having matches or even in ring segments. This is yeah. This is well done. It's like being the elite. There's the best parts of being the elite have merged themselves into AEW programming. It was always my favorite parts <clears throat> of AEW, those first few yeah. years, when it felt like being the elite was playing out on TV. Not so much when they had like lawnmowers and chilies and stuff. Yeah. That was a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. But when it was just like, no, this is the storytelling that we would do week to week and tease you and like get you to come back next week. They're really good at that, and they have been doing a very good job of establishing this new character in a really entertaining way. After that, we have Wardlow versus Commander. Oh, um, God. Wardlow is getting wins to build himself up for a world title match later down the line. Probably not having for a while now. No. He's out there with the Undisputed Kingdom, and yep, that's it. Yep, you got it. What's Will Ospreay's faction called? The United Egypt? Empire. United Empire. They are a little bit too close, aren't they? Undisputed Kingdom. Un Undisputed Era. United Empire. And the Undisputed Elite. Yeah. At one point. This is. I have, use. It's been a month now, and I've still not once got their name right on the first <laughs> game when I'm typing my notes. So they're out there, Adam Cole's on commentary. It's I, I really like Wardlow's matches that he's been having, like this match here and the one against Trent last week, where he's always in control, he does his power spots, but he manages to give his opponent this flurry of offense, which you, you never like, oh, Wardlow's in trouble here, mm. but it gives the other guy a bit of shine, but then Wardlow cuts him off. Unfortunately, when he cut him off this time, he goes for his powerbomb, and he just stumbled backwards into the corner. And you could tell because Wardlow was visibly upset with himself. Makes the pin, one, two, three, stands up. He's like, God damn it. He's swearing off Mike. And then the rest of the Undisputed Kingdom did it. Get in the ring and sort of cut the promo around him. Best friends come out to save Commander. It's the setup Roddy Strong and Orange Cassidy. But Wardlow is looking pissed off. He's, he's talking to someone at ringside, probably a medic. He's gone on X to say that he is okay, but by all accounts, it's it's probably a meniscus tear. A torn meniscus is what I've heard, yeah. yeah. Which is not the most devastating injury. That's usually like six weeks to two months mm -hmm. or so where you don't wrestle. So that's unfortunate. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I, I am struggling with this stuff. Because I, over the last week, have seen a lot of people be like, poo-poo the United Kingdom. Damn it, Undisputed Kingdom. You've got me doing it. I never made that mistake. I've That's a country. Damn it. <laughs> anyway. Christ. Anyway, I've seen a lot of people poo-poo this faction, and I've, I've been very much willing to give them a shot. I think the Orange Cassidy-Roddy Strong match is going to be very good. I'm expecting Roddy to win, and we're going to get some good stuff. In a month. In a month. Sure. I just do not find Wardlow interesting. Oh, you've gone all. that way. Okay. Because right now, I'm of the opinion Wardlow is my the only thing that's working in this act. Mm-hmm. It's not working for me, mm -hmm. personally. I think 
And this is coming from someone who made a full video essay talking about how Wardlow was like one of the best things AEW had ever done just a couple of years ago, you know, and maybe I convinced myself that the story they were telling, you know, wasn't the thing that was special. It was mm -hmm. the guy when now I'm starting to look at it and go like, man, ever since then, I've not really seen the same Wardlow since the MJF pinnacle stuff ended. I just don't think the like physical charisma is there necessarily. He's doing some good stuff. You know, I like the looking up at the Tron while he's posing stuff. That's kind of like cheeky and fun and everything. Kind of gives me like a Rick Rude kind of mm -hmm. vibe about him. But he just doesn't come across as dangerous to me as I'm watching him as someone who's squashing people in just a few minutes should. Mm -hmm. And when there's so many monsters on the roster now, you know, like he's not as intimidating to me as Toa Leona was. Hobbs. Hobbs, Brian Cage, Lance Archer. There's so many guys that I would put above Wardlow in that big monster heel role. And I don't know what you do about it. You know, it's it's a shame. And I don't think the solution's going to solve itself anytime soon now if he's hurt. But yeah. I just maybe more time away, a different change of scenery could help or something like that. But I just am not feeling this guy and his presentation on AEW TV and really haven't for a long time, unfortunately. I I'm with you um, pre like, what was it? October comeback mm -hmm. since October. I've probably been the most into Wardlow I've ever been. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I totally I totally see your point yeah. because there is there is something that is fine now but if he was to go into the main event picture i don't think i'd buy it yeah um he's one of those guys where he can be main event or nothing really mm, you know yes, yeah, yeah. you can't have him be selling arm drags in the second match so he ends up either squashing guys or being in the main event and he doesn't quite fit that role mm. either and this one isn't interesting enough to be on tv week after week it's a difficult middle position to be in. Uh, after that, we got a tag team sit-down interview. It was Ricky Starks and Big Bill, the champs, mm -hmm. with Sting and Darby Allen, Tony Schiavone. What do you call it? Conducting a debate. Mm -hmm. Moderating. Moderating. And... Mod yeah. mother Tony. <laughs> and it was good. Ricky, Ricky Starks, great on the mic. I really like uh, He got over about how this is about respect. Darby's like, you don't respect anyone. You're just here to use Sting's career as a stepping stone. I, I'm just, whenever I see Big Bill, I, I'm just so impressed and happy for him because look at where he was before he came here. Yeah. He had like, obviously his WWE run, he had that high. And then he, he got released from WWE and had a rough, few, a rough few years. And a lot of people don't come back from that. So when people do come back from things like that and they, they get this good, I'm like, You've won me over forever. I'm mm -hmm. going to be a fan of yours forever. <laughs> and he's just sitting there, and he looks so cool and calm and collected. Yet I can still see the, the good parts of Big Cass in him. Um, I like this. It wasn't enough to make me think they're keeping the titles. No. But what else can you do in a week? I really enjoyed this segment. There were a lot of little <laughs> moments that I really enjoyed about this segment. There's like a moment here where Ricky starts talking all about himself. It's like, this is why I'm going to beat you. Why we're going to beat you. <laughs> and Big Bill just goes like, 
There it yeah. is. And he's just like, he's too cool for school. He's sat there. He's not getting worked up or whatever. But like the one timer is like, mm? and Ricky Starks corrects himself. He's like, yeah, there yeah. it is. He, yeah, you, you remember <laughs> who's, who's cashing these checks. And I really like that. Mm. I really like Sting in this segment. I couldn't place exactly what it was reminding me of, but Sting in this segment had like reminded me of some sort of 80s action star. Just like he's kind of like he's got this like hot headed rookie cop with right. him or whatever. He's just like, oh, don't you worry. He's going to hit you. Oh, and I'm going to hit you, too. <laughs> he had something about him that was just like yeah. a cool, old, grizzled vet. And shocker, Sting is indeed one of those. I like the Darby and Ricky stuff. I like that they brought a lot of it back to Sting's introduction into AEW with Team mm -hmm. Taz and how Ricky Starks is now involved with him again. There's just a lot of fun history that they have been playing with. And it's funny, like you kind of look at this and Ricky Starks and Darby Allen feels like one of those four pillars matches, even yeah. though Ricky's yeah. kind of been like the unofficial fifth pillar or whatever you'd want to call him. And I like those matches. You know, they kind of tell you who is where on the totem pole in WWE or in WWE in AEW. I've got rankings for that. Yeah. But within everyone's perspective, almost, mm -hmm. it tells you where people sit and Every once in a while, someone beats someone you don't expect. And then all of a sudden, that changes. It's good stuff. Uh, at the end, because there was a no physicality rule, uh, Ricky Starks like jumped up and was just screaming at Darby, hit me, hit mm -hmm. me. Very good stuff. After that, we got Jericho versus Carl Fletcher. This was actually a banging match that, mm -hmm. that took <coughs> both me and the crowd. Well, actually, the crowd were pretty into it. They got to sing along to Judas and whatnot. But it took me a good 10, 15 minutes, like two thirds, whatever the, the length of that was, to fully get into it because Jericho is just so stale right now. Yep. And I, even though this was a great match and Carl Fletcher was just magnificent in it and Jericho was really good in it as well, I thought, he seems, it's gone from just stale to he looks a bit embarrassed about being out there as well. I, I feel like he's lost something in just his motivation. And I went through his Wikipedia page. I was like, how how long were the gaps between Jericho's? That's exactly it. Jericho's in WWE. And, you know, you've got 99 to 2005. Oh, yeah. And then it's 08 to 2011-12. Well, let me help you out here. Historian <laughs> over here. Because he goes to WWE in 99. He leaves after SummerSlam 05. Then he comes back. Fall of 07, leaves fall of 2010, ah, right. comes back January 2012, leaves August of 2012, but then comes back a few months later, Royal Rumble, and that lasts until like, that just kind of goes off and on. Yeah, then. It would be though. like a few months. There was like, I don't think he came back for all of 2015. He mm -hmm. did one spot at Night of Champions where he teamed up with the Shield, but that was it. Otherwise, he was gone for that whole year. And then he came back in 2016 and was there until he left in 2017. That's the list. And that's the list, yeah. the list of Jericho, the whole deal. But for the most part, you had year gaps or multiple year gaps between his stints in WWE that gave us a chance to miss him. Yeah. And also for him to come back as something new. Yeah. Like I've never had it. I don't think we've ever had a Jericho where we've lived through the same Jericho for longer than six years. And that's that yeah. first iconic run. Um, but even then he turned heel and whatnot. Uh, 
But now this is five years of AEW. Mm-hmm. I've had this Jericho for five years. And there were some changes, like the Le Champion was a little bit different from Babyface Inner Circle yeah. was a little bit different from Jericho Appreciation Society, but not that different. Well, I, my favorite part of his run was the Ocho. Mm. When he had like three months of having the best matches on TV. Let's just wrestle Tomohiro Ishii yeah. on TV. Insane. Oh my God, it worked. And But then, and then he lost to Action Andretti later that year. So we're talking end of 2022. I'm like, oh my God, what, where is he going next? And where he went was the exact same stuff with the Don Callis family. Yep. And he's still feuding here with the Callis family. And next week he's going to fight Takeshita from the Callis family. I'm like, you got to take some time away. Listen, I, I totally agree. I think, broad picture, I think time away would do him a lot of good. I had someone tweet me if I knew anybody in this country that could get him to sign up to do a six-month tour of, of the United <laughs> Kingdom or Europe or whatever with Fozzie or some such nonsense. But the Jericho Vortex has kind of just become jargon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a buzzword that people use, and I've kind of strayed away from it for that reason. But my God. God, it's real. Like, there are so many examples now of things just taking so much longer than they need to. I enjoyed the MJF pinnacle stuff and everything. Oh, yeah. But that feud was a year. That was from all out to all out. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. The Eddie Kingston feud was like nine months. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. This Goddamn feud with Don Callis has been going on since the early summer. It is now February, and we're not close to being done, it feels like. But we, we were done with the we big were, show match. Yeah. We've had the climax of this feud. Yeah. Anyway, moving it, on. Yeah, it just bothers me because these matches should be highlighting how great Kyle Fletcher is, because I thought he was fantastic yeah. in this match. And all I can think about while I'm watching it is, oh, my God, I'm still watching this same nonsense. It's time to move on. After that, we got a really good, uh, well put together video package of Diana Perazzo talking about her tattoos, the shared one. Spelling it out for you, Bully Ray. Is that explanation enough? I missed this. Is that was Bully Ray annoyed? About the tattoos. Oh, yeah. He he went on Twitter after the segment <laughs> from last week where they showed off their matching tattoos. He's like, tell me a story. Explain it to us. We don't understand. And someone replied to him being like, they literally explained exactly yeah. what this was. And he just said, oh, shut up, Mark. Go play Dungeons and Dragons in your mom's basement. Asshole. To be fair, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. 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 Never in my mom's basement. I didn't start playing D&D until this year. Um. Bullet Club Gold then came out with the coolest entrance in wrestling. It's such a good song. And just the, the camera work. My favorite bit is when Austin Gunn just goes, by order of the Bang Bang Gang. I hate how good of an impression That's so that was. Good. <laughs> it's bothering me because I'll always be anti them. <laughs> I'm making it a point. It's a yeah. part of my personality at this point. But they do just keep adding things to them that are cool. They've got cool music. They're old. The gun music sucked. With this Jay music White. is good. The guy they're with is good. The, their entrance is good. They acclaimed. So yeah, they, they, this whole segment was just them coming out, doing a bit of comedy. It was it was all over the place, but I had a whale of a time. Yeah. And they, would, they were going to bring out, uh, well, they did bring out Switch board switch 
Card blade. Card blade. Although switchboard is, mm-hmm. a, that's a good yeah. thing for it as well. Um, but they're like, no, we fired him ages ago when Jay came back. Ah, get juice box or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Juice bring. board. Juice board. It's Juice Robinson because he's currently injured. And they go to do, we've got two words for you. And Billy Gunn's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can do that. And they do a kind of got two words for you. The whole crowd chants, suck it. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's guns up. Um, I, I, I thought this was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. This was kind of like a, I thought this is like a segment that you do when the cameras go off for the live crowd almost, you know, yeah. like it was like entertaining enough and such, but I was really waiting for the heel team to come out and interrupt them and challenge someone for a set of trios belts or something. Mm. I was like, oh, the, that was an interesting TV segment. Like what did, what did it, what, what was the point of it almost other than just having a good time? And if it's that, all right, fair enough. I think, yeah, it achieved nothing, mm-hmm. but we need a couple of bits like this to get over that they are friends. Yeah. So when Jay White does turn and Austin Gunn is there like, <laughs> but I thought we were all friends with my dad again. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanna Prazo took on Ty Valkyrie. I wouldn't have known it, though, because Tony Storm's on commentary. <sighs> oh, my God. I wish I had a list. I wish I kept track of the absolutely unhinged things that were said on commentary in this match. Because I really enjoyed this match. Did you watch through the break? Yeah. So you heard Excalibur called Jeff Hardy earlier, Jeff Harvey. Yep. And Taz freaked out and said, I knew you might get me under there. Yep. I heard that and I really appreciated that. <laughs> That was for my first wrestling pay-per-view. Tell you how. Oh, I wanted to point that out as well. Jeff Hardy and John Moxley in the opener. They did the finish from the Jeff Hardy, uh, Randy Orton match from the Royal Rumble 08. I oh. don't know if Excalibur is as galaxy-brained as I am to then make that connection and do the Mike Adamley thing. But maybe, oh. maybe it was. And if he did, <laughs> you and me, buddy, we are two peas in a pod. I thought. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, like Tony Stark is out of her mind. There's a bit during a commercial break, I think, where Taya goes and gives Dion just a mean old chop. And there's a beat, and Tony goes, Oh, she slapped her right in the titties, mm-hmm. stealing one of my moves. I'm like, oh, okay. and I thought that was as the peak of what we were going to get. No, 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 no. That was only step one, and I'm probably forgetting some steps because, my goodness, there were plenty of them. But, of course, the one that has come across my timeline time and time again today is talking about New Orleans and saying, oh, yes, I'm very happy to be in New Orleans. Yes, yes, they, get, they gave me some, uh, some beads out there. Yeah, not for my neck, though. What? <laughs> Anal beads. She's most likely referring Spell it to. out. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I do, I, Tony Storm, again, the character, the comedy isn't for me. I don't really find it funny, but it is so well done. Mm-hmm. I cannot not recognize that. Uh, I, I would say, though, it is the detriment to everything around her. It's hard to concentrate on things. The commentators don't concentrate on mm. the match. It's, I, it's hard to have a serious feud with her. Deanna Prazo's trying, and hopefully they find a way to hook into Tony's character to make that happen. But to me, it is a bit like... Oh yeah, like the Fiend's a great character, but how do, how do you how do you wrestle the guy? Mm. How do you have a feud with the guy? Um, but it's a bit too yeah. high concept for me to really 
properly enjoy. I think it's more of a how do you have a serious feud than have a good match because Tony Storm yes. is yeah, yeah. and has been learning more and more how to work the character into the matches and make the matches better, which I do think is very important. But I do really enjoy this match. I think the pairing of Taya Valkyrie and Johnny TV is very entertaining. Mm -hmm. I know they're kind of not really among the ones that are going to get the big push. I don't think you're ever going to see Johnny TV with a belt. You know, maybe he'll end up with a TNT championship way down the line because TNT TV. Haha, it's funny. Mm -hmm. But maybe they'll both have the T TNT and TBS championships at some point. That, I think, is kind of their yeah. ceiling. But I find them very entertaining when they're on TV together. And I thought this match was really good with a really good finish, too. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's only a move you can do with Tyre because she's so flexible. flexible yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so what Tyre's in the splits. Deonna's on her back, leaning down. And she pulls both her arms up and behind her. So they're at right angles. Yeah. And Tyre... Submitted. Yeah. Yeah. As you would. <laughs> My God. It was kind of like a stump puller where you're kind of just like pulling the joints apart. But yeah, yeah. just taken to the extreme. After that, Renee's interviewing Darby and she says a question that was so obviously planted by the Young Bucks. Uh, yeah, I just want to know about your admiration for the Young Bucks. They put you up to this? Yeah. Yeah. And then Matthew and Nicholas come out and they say, well, we're big fans of you, Darby. Of course, you're an OG. So why are you letting that blood-sucking 65-year-old Sting uh, get paid more than you, you know, further in this character? It's so good. Mm -hmm. Matt Jackson's like, leave some for the rest of us, am I right? <laughs> They're brilliant. <laughs> and let me tell you right now, this tag match at Revolution is oh. going to be the best match on the show. Yeah. It's going to be up there as best match of the year. Yeah. With, with like the in-ring work plus the emotion of Sting's retirement. Yep. Uh, they could be a three. They could be a new three-man group. We had a goth phase in high school, uh, but Darby's been ghosting them. Uh, the only thing he's concentrating on is the tag team titles. He leaves, so Nicholas says, "We'll have to get his attention another way." Which to me says they're getting involved in the tag title match next week. Mm -hmm. it, you would certainly think that. I don't know whether that's going to be get involved and they win, or get involved and then they lose, and. I think it works either way, which should give that match an even greater feeling of stakes. The main event was Swerve versus, oh, who could it be? <laughs> I don't know. They only teased it half a dozen times throughout the show. Hangman Page had said, well, you'll have to wait the whole effing show to find out who your opponent is. They said that Hangman had told Excalibur that he didn't think Swerve would last four minutes and 20 seconds with yep, his opponent. Uh, he <laughs> said that there was a special guest sign and there was an odor coming from it. Um, I think that was all of the teases, but I was like, you pick a lane. Are you spelling it out or are you not? But well, it is fun. I enjoyed it because if you then just have Rob Van Dam come out, which he did. It's Rob Van Dam. Surprise, surprise. That's that's not enough. But then Hangman Page appears on the Tron. Ah, Swerve. It appears he didn't read the fine print because I'm also allowed to choose what match stipulation you wrestle in. Mm -hmm. It's a hardcore match. So now it's not just Rob Van Dam. It's Rob Van Dam in a hardcore match. Swerve turns around, yeets a chair right into his face. Did I use he correctly? You did. He's one of these... Uh... Yeah, it's close. Yeah, you, you had it. You want to see, uh, we, we're, we're running close to time, but I was told this week that 
children in middle school now are not even considered Gen Z anymore. They're the one after that, uh-huh. Gen Alpha. And I wanted Takeshita. Yeah, yeah. Kanosuke Takeshita is in middle school with these young whippersnappers, and it it depressed me a little bit. Mm. But regardless, maybe you could be hip with them. I thought this decision was fantastic. Obviously, the match was really good. Yeah. Really enjoyed this. Van Damme can still go. This isn't a surprise to some, but he is so good still and able to wrestle some of the best guys on the roster and make them look really good. But what I really liked about this was he comes out and I'm like, well, that's an interesting choice. Is he going to beat the hell out of Swerve? I'm not sure. And then Hangman announces that this is a hardcore match. And I was like, oh, you got the ECW guy and you're putting him in the ECW match. The thing that he's going to be a specialist in. It's a different way of going about mm-hmm. it than just here he is against a monster. Yeah. It's here against here's a legend who's going to wrestle his own match. And you are maybe not as well versed, even though the last time we saw these guys wrestle Hangman Page was almost getting decapitated by barbed wire, so Hangman, or pardon me, Swerve, very much can hold his own in such a such a, a, a field, but Rob Van Dam in a hardcore match in the main event of Dynamite, that's a really nice shout. Yeah, and it was it was a really good match, really yeah. fun, like you said. Uh, Brian Cage interfered at one point, pushed RVD off the rope. We got Hook come out. Nice to see him still somewhat involved in this yep. picture. He chases Cage off with a chair. For me, though, he... It's just because I, it's the top story. They said dealer's choice. All those things you said, RVD in a hardcore match. Yeah, that's going to be bad. But I would go, well, why not do John Moxley in a Texas death mm. match? Because he was already booked for this show. John Moxley's on the card. Hangman Page and Moxley kind of left at a, a point of respect in their feud at the mm. end. So, and then, of course, Moxley had that feud with Swerve through the C2. Hangman Page, like, it, it makes so much sense, and it would have given this this show a real marquee main event that it was missing. See, the only problem with that is I don't think you're beating John Moxley right now. Well, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. But I guess not everyone can win all the time, can they? Yeah, but... So yeah. Brian Cage interference, yeah. protect him a little bit. Yeah. Have a big brawl that the CMLL guys interfere, set that up earlier in the night. Yeah. Still, I think recently speaking, Moxley has lost more matches than he typically would. Like he only got pinned like twice through his first three or four mm-hmm. years in the company. And now, you know, he's lost to Phoenix. He lost to Cassidy again. He obviously had to lose yeah. in the, the Continental Classic. So another one might have started been pushing it. But I didn't have as much uh, trouble with like Van Damme and such. Because I do think if you're going to have, you know, your top guys beat another top guy, bring them in from outside. You don't have to protect them as much. Uh, Afterwards, Swerve won with a a Swerve stomp after doing the RVD taunt on the top rope. Deliciously heelish. And then Hangman comes out, says he'll never let Swerve get the title. Swerve's like, beating you twice, mate. Leave me alone. Yep. And Hangman says, yeah, but it's never truly been one-on-one. We've used Brian Cage to interfere or Prince Nana. And I thought they were setting up a cage stipulation there. Mm -hmm. But he convinces Swerve to go one more time. And Tony, the the fastest (laughs) photoshopper ever, gets a graphic to pop up bottom left to say, yeah, they're going to have a one-on-one match to decide the number one contender, the Samoa Joe at Revolution, next week. 
I will say, Huge. as someone who has worked in sports production, those things take no time to make. Oh. Legitimately, you could punch one of those up in like 10 seconds. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're getting that next week. I am holding out hope for a triple threat. Still, Me as so well. Some kind of draw. Yeah. I'm always curious as to how they're going to do that because the champion attacks the guys and he's like, no, I'll face neither of you. Yeah, and then the yeah, comic, yeah. actually, you'll face both <laughs> of them. has been done to death in wrestling. Yeah. So I'll be very interested to see how they get there if that is the avenue they choose to go down. I overall gave this 75%, one of the, the lowest ratings I've ever given Dynamite. Not because it was a bad show, just because it was a filler show without much momentum in the company right now. I think that's about right. Mm -hmm. I would say like, you know, seven out of 10, three out of three out of five, somewhere around there is probably about right for this kind of dynamite. We haven't got any Pledgehammer shout outs on this episode because we've done them all and it's the start of the month, but hey, we do have a brand new kind of show on there. It's the Wrestle Talk Extra revamp with me and Luke, all video version. Mm -hmm. and rather than doing a different pay per view each month, we've instead taken a seven episode arc, which will track the breakup of the Shield. We started with January 2020, 2014's Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. And that's what we reviewed in uh, episode one. And that is available for Patreons right now. Patreon.com forward slash WrestleDoc. And it's got Survival Series. It does. It has Survival Series Thunderdome Edition, <laughs> which I may or may not be in the process of filming. Oh. So, brand new one coming very soon. You can check out the ones that we've done already over there. I'm really jealous that y'all are going to get to watch The Shield versus The Wyatts for that show yeah. next month. Because that match is so good. Ooh, I love it. And I'll be listening, so make sure you are too. Uh, Charles Berg says, I'm loving the Bucks' new characters. I think it has legs, and not just for super kicking. Well, hey. Loved a random RVD match, too. Oh, Ollie, I thought of a couple more fish wrestlers. Surprised you didn't <laughs> think of these. Finn Balor. Uh, Trinity Fortuna. You could have picked anyone, and you went with Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many tattoos. Rikishi Fortuna. Yeah. And Bobby Fish. I mean, it was right there. Talk about low-hanging fish. Where's the line? Where's the line? Very good. 404 Fatal Error says, for, the, for those questioning the returning ranking system, just remember, it is a totally objective system that the Young Bucks will definitely not tamper with <laughs> to give themselves easier matches or harder ones to those on their bad side. Oh, they're <laughs> going to do that. That's such a good idea. Uh, the next person, we're really sorry. There's a Streamlabs issue. It hasn't recorded your name. Please tell the mods and we'll give you a shout out separately. I think I've cracked the code to Tony's announcement types. When it's a major announcement, it probably could have been an email. A big announcement could have been a video package. A huge announcement is what the major one should be, like him buying Ring of Honor. There's something to this. Somebody's made like a graph, you know, of all of his announcements. A Jazz Hussein. Uh, hi, Tempest and Ollie. Hope you're both well. If I recall correctly, Osprey said he would be there for the road to revolution. Do you see him appearing soon or at the event itself? And who do you think his first feud would be? 
I've been thinking this as well. Mm. I'm like, okay, where's Osprey? You know, I know he's kind of been finishing up. He's you know was wrestling Michael Oku, you know, in Rev Pro and and stuff like that. So he's got a lot of loose ends to tie up in his various promotions. I don't know exactly what the deal is going to be when he gets in. My my theory at this point, given what we've seen him do last, is he probably wrestles Jericho again <laughs> as his first match. He tanks with Jericho. Oh, piss off. <laughs> Absolutely not. <clears throat> One match, and that's the end of the Don Callis thing. That Jericho just... Osprey yeah. against Takeshita and Hobbs and Fletcher's caught in the middle. I hate it. I hate it too. I, I hate that so much. It's what's happening. <sighs> I will not let you speak it into existence, but probably something like that, unfortunately. Justin says, I've seen people send that AEW will try a first dance type debut for Monet. They sold 15,000 in Chicago, but they were averaging six to 7,000 seats in most venues around then. Now they average 2K. I w- not the game. 2000. <laughs> I worry they can't do a 10k plus sellout for just rumors this time. Listen, there's one CM Punk. Mm-hmm. There's there nobody else is close to that sort of thing in Chicago. Yeah, that's a once in a lifetime moment that really can't be recreated. Booking like a mark. One issue I have with AEW is that a lot of the matches seem random. I've never been a huge fan of Tony Khan becoming an on-screen character, but I feel we need an authority figure. How do you feel about Chris Jericho? Could that revitalize his character? Hmm. I mean, it might give me like sort of like William <laughs> Regal, yeah. you know, general manager of Raw kind of vibes. It does. I mean, I'm not a me. I am opposed to it. I don't think AEW needs an on-air authority figure. I like the idea that it's just this is a sporting organization that has its matchmakers. And yeah, sometimes the matches might feel a little bit random, you know, but... I do think there is something to that so that you don't end up trapped in the rematch loop of WWE from a few years ago where you just saw, you know, the same match on SmackDown for 12 weeks (laughs) in a row. I there's been a few times over the last month where I've thought, oh, that could have been handy to have an authority figure. But I think the bigger thing you got to not lose sight of is you need to separate yourself out from WWE. Yeah. If they have authority figures don't have authority figures. If they have a four-sided ring, have a six-sided <laughs> ring. Justin Anzaladua has been a member for 30 months. How about AEW makes Rampage or Collision a show entirely devoted to the women's roster? Monet and Baker could be the star power to fuel the brand. Listen, I'm not opposed to the idea of an all-women's show. I don't think a lot of wrestling fans mm. would watch it, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, if they did, a lot more people would be watching Stardom or Shimmer or Eve or whatever the case may be. And they should because those promotions are awesome. I don't think that's a business decision that they will probably make. But I do think we should be seeing more matches for the likes of, you know, everybody, Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale, etc., etc., on TV. I think true equality is having everyone on the same show and treated proportionately. Danny G has been a member for 29 months in a row. Jericho Hardy and then RVD all actually did great jobs, but it feels a bit much on one show and only adds to the new TNA stigma. I want young talent. Huh, 
That you know what? I'd never actually thought of that. I've seen a few people say this today, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I understand what yeah. they're saying. It is kind of a lot on one show where, you know, the the over forty, you know, demographic was really serviced here with Jericho and you know, Sting's obviously getting a big push and and such. But it doesn't it just doesn't bother me that much because the young stars you are seeing are you know, the likes of the Darbies and the Rickies. And Toliona got a match on this show to showcase himself. You know, the acclaimed and the and the guns are all on this show. So I th- Kyle Fletcher got a really good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, a lot of them were doing jobs and stuff. But, you know, Rob Van Dam lost and Jeff Hardy lost. So I do think it was a bit more of a mix than people are saying. But a lot for one show this was as well. Blake Whitehouse says, because I'm not a geriatric old man, I didn't grow up in the Attitude Era. Seeing how you guys did, though, did people complain about there being four men's singles belts in the Attitude Era, those being the World, IC, European, and Hardcore titles? Thanks, guys. Hey, don't you forget about the light heavyweight championship. Hmm. Takamichinoku did not do that for your for you to forget about it. Uh, um, I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't sort of consciously aware enough. To and also, what do you mean, you guys? <laughs> I was five when the Attitude Era ended. I would say, though, uh, they were really quite unique belts at the time hardcore of course had its whole own stipulation it was more yeah. of a long-running skit than anything else yeah light heavyweight had a specific requirement for the division ic and european yeah they kind of merged but you always knew the ic belt was, it was yeah. really well treated and the european belt was for what your delo browns would, would win and then the world heavyweight championship you had guys like rock taker kane stone cold all going for it yeah and they were like clearly different to the ic so no i mean that's maybe it's because that's where i grew up but that for me is like the best progression up the mm-hmm. card ever i'm sure whatever forums existed in the year 2000 probably had people complaining yeah. about the european title meaning nothing yeah zep xp I have a pitch for Cody at Mania. Beats Roman, the Bloodline, or Jade, uh, Judgment Day beatdown, and Priest finally cashes in. <gasps> oh my god. Cody gets his win, followed by Heartache, sets up for Rumble next year. First time ever, three back-to-back winner, always chasing a real title reign. I, I would like to believe that this is ironic. I don't think that way, but if Priest cashes in and Priest beats Roman, or, <laughs> or Roman pins Priest, mm-hmm. if you if you're gonna if you're gonna drag it out another year, that is, imagine imagine the shock. I can't. I simply can't. I couldn't have imagined it last year either. <laughs> King of Sleep Style says this was done a while ago, but this is my first time catching Tempest live in a while. I did a survey with seven women I know after my sister uh, said I, after my sister said I think Tempest is cute age 26 to 32 I think Tempest is an 8.5 Tempest is hot it's canon That's for you all 85% that's you know that's a good episode of AW Dynamite That's an A by Canadian standards uh, Pavi Pants says, I have a bit of fantasy booking for Punk. He is injured, comes back and gets a chance at the title and wins. Months after, Drew finds a tape that shows CM Punk faking his injury to get sympathy. We go on a Punk heel reign and all stars trying to beat him. Lord, can you imagine? 
I I don't think that would work in Punk's character because like he wants the main event of WrestleMania and yeah. that thing. Uh, I don't see why he would do that. And finally for now, Zeke, that freak, yes, that one, says, is anyone surprised Punk got injured? Oh, sorry, this was from Tuesday's Raw review. It got missed. I saw it coming from a mile away. His return to wrestling has just proved his body cannot go the way he and his fans would like it to go anymore. Sad to see, but not surprising. Uh, I mean, I would never say it so, like, pointedly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm never going to say, oh, well, is anyone surprised that so-and-so got hurt or anything? Because, like, yeah, you know, some people go through, like, really bad injury stretches and then they're fine for a long period of time. Others aren't so lucky. And I don't wish injury upon anybody. It doesn't sound like you are either. But three fairly major injuries in a very short amount of time, it does start to get you to question the durability of somebody like this at this stage in their career. And just, you know, WWE is a huge company. You've got to, if you're going to push someone in a major story, give them loads of TV time, give them a title, you'd want a, you'd want a bit of a safe bet. Mm-hmm. And if someone is getting injured at this frequency, it certainly does make you more concerned and doubtful over whether you should go with that guy. Agreed. I still would because his he's best thing is his promos. And there also are, like I said earlier in the show, there isn't another CM Punk. Yeah. You know, stars like CM Punk don't grow on trees. Mm-hmm. But that's all we've got time for today. Uh, what does the poll say? Can you the see? poll says... Whoa. Bit more split than usual. 65, uh, 64% up, 30% mid, 6% down. Oh, well... Yeah, six, yeah, one of the lower-rated AEW shows, but mm-hmm. a bit of a filler one. Hopefully it turns around next week, which I won't be here for. It'll be you and Luke. Very excited. I'll be in New York, New York. Playing golf or something. No, what am I doing? So I'm going to see the Seth Meyers show. Oh, yeah. Got tickets. And then Hamilton oh. on Broadway. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Uh, but for now, I've been Ollie Davis. That's been Tempest. Chandler Jam. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.